the Redemption Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Every individual under the sound of my voice, empower, enable, and strengthen me to deliver this message as you have delivered it to me. Lord, I take no ownership or authorship or credit because I know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory, all the acknowledgement. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to preach for a few minutes from the subject, trust the process. I want to talk to you about the process that God uses to guide you from where you are to where you are destined to be. I'm not just referring to God guiding you in a physical location sense. I'm talking about God guiding you into the person you're supposed to be. I'm talking about God guiding you into the relationships that you're supposed to have. I'm talking about God guiding you into the platform that He has prepared for you. I'm talking about God guiding you in every sense of the word. The first thing I want you to know about God guiding you is that he's going to do it in a way that is unconventional and abstract to your natural mind. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible tells us that. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Over 3,000 years ago, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah in order to inform us that he doesn't think like we think, that he doesn't operate like we operate, that he doesn't do what we would do. So if we're going to follow God's guidance, we're going to have to abandon every preconceived notion about how we thought it should go, how we thought it should turn out, how we thought it should transpire, how we thought it should fit together. So why is it that we are still surprised when God doesn't do what we thought he would? Why is it that we're still shocked when God doesn't show up when we thought he would show up? Why is it that we're still caught off guard when God doesn't intervene the, the time that we thought he would intervene? God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So if we're going to successfully follow his leadership, we have to go ahead and realize he's not going to do it the way we would do it. With that said, how does God guide us from point A to point B? Look with me at Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. During this passage of Scripture, Paul is living and working in Ephesus. He's happy. He's content. He's fulfilled in Ephesus. He would have probably been okay with spending the rest of his life in Ephesus. He is in a comfortable place, surrounded by people that he loves, and he's fulfilling the purpose that the Lord has called him to fulfill. But just about the time that Paul got settled, 
Just about the time he got comfortable, the Holy Spirit began to speak to his heart and tell him that the time was quickly approaching for him to leave Ephesus and travel to Jerusalem. So Paul calls together all the elders of Ephesus and he says to them the words recorded in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. I'm reading this out of the NLT. He says, and now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I believe that in Paul's speech to the elders of Ephesus that he reveals four things that we can expect to experience anytime God begins to guide us. And I want to build and construct the remainder of this sermon around diving into and analyzing those four things. The first thing that we can expect to experience when God is guiding us is the Holy Spirit prompting us. Notice that verse 22 says, And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. When God got ready to lead Paul away from what was comfortable, away from what he was accustomed to, away from what he was familiar with, away from those things that he had spent so much time around, there wasn't a rushing mighty wind. God didn't speak to Paul through an audible voice. There wasn't supernatural confirmation. There wasn't a miraculous movement. There wasn't any external sign at all. The Holy Spirit just began to speak to Paul's heart. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to prompt you? The words, the Greek words used in verse 22 for bound by the Spirit refer to being pulled by a cord. Or blown by a breeze. To be prompted by the Holy Spirit means you have an internal sense that you're supposed to go in a certain direction, do a certain thing, or take a certain step. There may not be a rushing mighty wind. There may not be a shaking foundation. There may not be fire from heaven. There may not be a wet fleece and a dry ground or a wet ground and a dry fleece. All you may get is the voice of the Holy Spirit giving you an internal inclination that you're supposed to go in a certain direction, take a certain step, or do a certain thing. I point that out because some of you are waiting for this big thing to happen before you do anything. You're waiting for the clouds to form a little J over your house. You're waiting for grape juice to come out of your faucet. It may not happen. All you may get is the Holy Spirit giving you an internal sense. Now, if we're going to follow God's guidance, we have to learn how to identify and obey the Holy Spirit's promptings. Even when the Holy Spirit is calling us out of our comfort zone. 
Even when the Holy Spirit is asking us to give what we don't think we can afford to give. Even when the Holy Spirit is asking us to sacrifice. Even when the Holy Spirit is asking us to say what we've never said. To do what we've never done. Even when the Holy Spirit is asking us to walk alone or to turn some people loose. We have to be able to identify and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Whenever God is guiding you, the first thing you'll feel is a small, subtle voice inside of you saying, You need to do that. You need to go there. You need to make that change. You need to sacrifice here. You need to write that check. You need to donate that. You need to contribute in that way. So first, there's the Holy Spirit prompting us. The second thing that we will experience is what I call certain uncertainty. I love this text because in verse 22, Paul says, and I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. Paul was certain that he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. Pack the bags, get the dog, get everything ready because I know I'm supposed to go. But I don't know what I'm going to go through. I don't know what I'm going to experience. I don't know what I'm going to be confronted by. I don't know what I'm going to be up against. Have you ever been in that place you knew what you were supposed to do next but you didn't know what was going to happen after you did what you were supposed to do next? You knew where you were supposed to go. You knew what you were supposed to say. You knew the next step to take but you had no idea what was going to ensue after that. You had no idea what awaited you. You had no idea what would come together or what wouldn't. You had no idea what the outcome would be. Carrie and I have experienced a situation like that. In February of 2011, the Holy Spirit began prompting us to leave Harlan County and come to Lily to start this ministry. We knew without a shadow of a doubt that we were supposed to leave Harlan County and come to Lily, Kentucky. There was no hesitation. There was no skepticism. We knew that's what we were supposed to do. But let me tell you what we didn't know. We didn't know where we were going to live. We lived in two Sunday school rooms in the back of that little church in Lily, Kentucky. We didn't know where we were going to work. God had to give me a job after we had already moved. We didn't know how much money the church was going to have. We had to borrow $5,000 at 27% interest just to get started. We didn't know how long the ministry was going to last. There were several months in which we didn't have the money to cover the bills at the end of the month. We knew what we were supposed to do, but we didn't know what was going to happen after we did what we were supposed to do. Look with me at Psalms 119.105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. A lamp unto my feet. God's word is a lamp to your feet, not a spotlight to your future. When God guides us, He guides us step by step. The Bible says the steps 
of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Not the strides, not the path, not the highways, but the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God guides us step by step. That means he doesn't show us step two until we take step one. He doesn't show us step four until we take step three. He doesn't show us step six until we take step five. Some of you need to realize this because you've been sitting back waiting for God to show you how's this supposed to work out and how we supposed to make it and who you going to send to do this and what about this over here Lord? God wants you to trust him and just take the step that he orders you to take When he orders you to take it. Because God doesn't show us steps four, five, and six until we take steps one, two, and three. But that's frustrating, ain't it? Why would God do that? Just tell me. Just tell me that in 29 days somebody's going to show up with a check. I won't worry or be frustrated or be filled with anxiety. Just tell me that in 29 days you're going to change my shift at work. Just tell me that even though I've been barren for five years that in two weeks I'm going to conceive a Just tell me, Lord, what's about to happen. But do you know that if he did that, he would eliminate your need for him? You want to know why God guides us step by step for two reasons. Number one, because it promotes our dependence upon Him. Think about this. Come up here, Carrie. Act excited about it. This is my beautiful wife, Carrie. If Carrie and I are going to McDonald's and we are driving separate cars, okay, if I know where McDonald's is, if I know how to get there, I don't need Carrie. If she stops to get gas, I can keep going. If she has to go to Walmart, I can keep going. If she has to turn around because she forgot something back at the house, I can keep going. But if I don't know where Walmart is, it forces me to rely upon her guidance. It forces me to rely upon her to show me the way. So when she turns right, I have to turn right. When she keeps going, I have to keep going. When she stops, I have to stop. Because I don't know how to get where I'm going, it forces me to rely upon her leadership and her guidance. The same is true with God. You want to know why God's not interested in telling you everything that's going to happen over the next five years? Because you wouldn't need Him anymore. You wouldn't have to trust Him anymore. You wouldn't have to rely upon Him anymore. So instead of giving us all the information all at once, God gives us peace after peace after peace, orders our steps step by step. So the whole process, we got to trust Him. I know you're going to do something. I just don't know what it is. I know you're going to bring this together. I just don't know how. I know the money's going to show up. I just don't don't know where it's going to come from. It causes you to depend upon Him. The second thing that God guiding us step by step does is it keeps us from being overwhelmed. This ministry has been here for nine years and there's a lot of stuff that happened. And I am so glad that in 2011 God didn't sit me down and say, I want to show you everybody's going to leave you. 
I want to show you everybody's going to break your heart. I want to show you everybody's going to let you down. I want to show you everybody's going to criticize you. I'm going to show you everybody's going to accuse you. I'm going to show you everything that's going to stand against you. I'm going to show you every time the enemy's going to attack you. If he'd have done that, I don't know that I'd have signed up for it. Imagine that if God would have set Joseph down and said, I've called you for a special purpose. But I, I want to show you what's about to happen. You're going to be betrayed by your brothers. They're going to consider murdering you, but they're going to settle for selling you into slavery. You're going to be taken captive into the land of Egypt, a place that you've never been before. You're going to be purchased by a man that you don't know. You're going to serve him in his household. His wife is going to think you're attractive, and she's going to hit on you. And you're going to resist her because you're a man of integrity. But then she's going to be angry and she's going to accuse you of rape. You're going to be falsely imprisoned. You're going to be imprisoned for a crime that you didn't commit. While in prison, you're going to help some people out. But those people that you help out are going to forget all about you. If God would have told Joseph that... He would have been overwhelmed with fear and dread and anxiety. God guides us step by step because he knows that our finite minds cannot handle every detail and aspect of the journey that we are about to embark upon. So it's better not knowing. Ignorance is bliss. Just let God worry about it. Just let God figure it out. Just let God put it together. That's why Paul said, I'm bound to go to Jerusalem, but I don't know what's going to happen. But I ain't worried about what's going to happen. All I'm focused on is doing what the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do. Instead of trying to predict the future, we should just focus on being obedient today. Let God worry about what's going to happen later. And we should just take the step that the Lord orders us to take when He orders us to take it. Give the Lord some praise. So when God guides us, we can expect the Holy Spirit to prompt us. We can expect certain uncertainty. <laughs> You're not going to like this next one. We can expect predictable resistance. Look at what Paul says. And now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Paul says, I know I'm supposed to go. I don't know what is, what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be hard. How could Paul be so sure that he was going to face persecution and adversity and suffering and lack and hardship? How could Paul be so sure that people were going to betray him and let him down and talk about him and accuse him? How could Paul be so sure that he was going to face trial and turbulence and adversity? It's because the enemy will always resist what God is leading you to do. The enemy is not going to sit back on his hands while we further the kingdom of God. The enemy's not going to sit back with his arms folded while we exalt the name of Jesus. The enemy He's not going to sit back and twiddle his thumbs while we impact people's lives. There is going to be resistance. He's not going to let you just float into your destiny on a cloud. He is going to resist you. It's going to be hard. See, some people mistakenly think that resistance is a sign that they've missed God's direction. 
when it's hard to come up with the money to pay their bills, they think they have drifted off course. When people started talking about them, they thought they had veered off the path. When things didn't go the way they expected or anticipated, they thought it was because they did something wrong. They think resistance is a sign they've missed God. But more often than not, resistance is a sign that we are moving in the right direction. When the enemy resists me, it means I'm threatening to him. It means I'm moving into his territory. It means he's concerned about what God is doing in my life. Why did Pharaoh attack the children of Israel in the book of Exodus? It wasn't because they were weak. It wasn't because they were frail. It wasn't because they were untalented or ungifted. Pharaoh looked over God's people and he said they are more and mightier than we. And Pharaoh, the enemy, started to attack God's people not because he knew it would be easy but because he knew what kind of potential they had so with that said if you're not ready to face opposition you're not ready to be used by God there's no better example than this than the beginning of Paul's ministry how many know about Paul's conversion before Paul got saved he was a terrorist he was just like a member of Al-Qaeda I know you don't like to hear that because he wrote most of the Bible, but that's the way it was. Paul was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. And then there was a lightning flash. Paul went blind, knocked off of his beast, a voice from heaven. Jesus spoke. Paul was saved, called to preach the gospel. A man named Ananias prayed for Paul. His sight was restored. He was baptized. He's fired up to preach the gospel. He's going to change the world for Jesus. Three years go by, nobody calls Paul to preach. No appointments. No platforms. No stages. Finally, after three years, somebody says, Paul, come on down to the first church of God in Baptist in Jesus' name. Come on down and, and preach. And it went so well. That first service was amazing. It was amazing. It went so well that people tried to kill him. Paul preached his first message and there were no shouts, no amens, no converts, no celebrations. People tried to kill him. He had to flee Damascus. He's on the run. He's got no money. No money in savings, no money in a 401k, no money hid under his pillow. And so he has to start working. Because when God wants you to be in full-time ministry, he will provide for your need. And if he hasn't provided for your need, maybe it's not time for you to step into full-time ministry. I waited four and a half years before it got to the point where God could provide for me. And then I stepped into it. The problem that ministers have today is they want to rush into it. And they don't want to work a job until God sets the stage for them to be able to do it. So Paul is making tents. The most, one of the most anointed men who will ever live is making tents from nine to five. That's what he's doing. Would you like this tent? How big would you like your tent? I can sew it together like this. I can make it slanted like this. I can make it fit right next to this point, And I can make this connect with this. He's making tents. Eight years go by. Nobody's called Paul to preach. Nobody's gave Paul an appointment. Nobody's asked Paul to deliver a message. Eleven years go by. 
And Paul has preached one time to a crowd that tried to kill him. Now, a lot of people I know in Paul's position would have said, well, maybe God's not called me to preach. Maybe God just don't want me to do that. Since it's hard and the doors are not swinging wide open, maybe God just doesn't, maybe I misheard. Maybe that's not really what the Lord said. But the point of the, the story is this. Paul was trying to step into his place, his position, his calling. And the whole time he experienced opposition. But he experienced opposition not because he was doing the wrong thing. But because he was doing the right thing. All hell is breaking loose in some of your lives. Because you're on the right path and you're getting close to something. And God is about to demonstrate his glory. So whatever you do, don't let the resistance stop you. Whatever you do, it's hard. It's hard. I, I tell God all the time, I pray I never have to start a church again from the ground up. I, I don't want to do it again, huh? I don't want to do it. Well, I need some, I, I need a cloud of fire or something. I, I need some. Lord, I need you to really speak before I'd ever do that again. It's exhausting. It's hard. It took years for things to start going right. Years for things to start working out. But it wasn't that we were doing the wrong thing. It's that the enemy knew that what we were doing had the potential to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And so he unleashed his arsenal trying to stop it. So when God is guiding us, there's going to be the Holy Spirit prompting us. There's going to be certain uncertainty. There's going to be predictable resistance. And number four, last one. There's going to be uncommon confidence. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I like how the King James Version says this. Paul says, but none of these things move me. I'm uncertain. Don't know what's going to happen, what I'm going to experience, what I'm going to go through, what the outcome's going to be, what the result's going to be. But none of these things move me. I know it's going to be hard. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be thrown in jail. People are going to talk about me, turn on me, betray me. But none of these things move me. See, when you're following God's guidance and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're right where you're supposed to be, you'll be able to look at your problem, your mountain, your struggle, your battle, your diagnosis, your finances, and you'll be able to say, but none of these things Move me. Paul said, my life doesn't even matter unless I use it for the purpose that God has called me to. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. When you're in God's will, you have a confidence that it's going to work out. I don't I don't know how, but it's going to work out. It's going to come together. It's going to fit. God is going to show up. Even if it's the 11th hour, God is going to show up. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I know this because I've been taking the steps that he ordered me to take when he ordered me to take them. So I am in the right place at the right time to see God's glory. Do you know what it's like to have that uncommon confidence? Let me give you this illustration, then we'll do our altar call and, and, and wrap it all up. But when I was 12 years old, 
I was uh, on an all-star baseball team. Used to be real athletic. And we were down six to nothing. We were playing hazard. And nothing had went right all game long. But then something happened. Something shifted. One of my teammates hit a home run with men on base. Then another one hit a home run with men on base. Before we knew it, it was six to six in the bottom of the last inning with two outs. And guess who was up to bat? Yours truly in my tight baseball pants. And I walked up to the plate and I remember something. Even though I was 12 years old, even though it was many, many, many years ago, I remember something. I remember having an uncommon confidence. I wasn't nervous or anxious or worried or scared. I had this internal sense that I knew something was about to happen. Something was going to work out. Something was going to come together. I knew that I was, I was positioned to do this. So guess what happened? I struck out. No, I got a hit and I drove in the winning run. But the point of, point of that is this. You are, you are moving towards something. You are on the verge of something. And when you step into your place, when you step into what God is leading you into, what God is ushering you into, you're going to have a confidence that you're not going to be able to really explain, but you're going to know without a shadow of a doubt that things are going to work out and you're going to be able to say, none of these things move me. None of them. None of them cause anxiety. None of them cause me to be afraid. None of these things move me. So what happened with Paul as a result of him trusting God's guidance? He wrote more books in the New Testament than anyone else. He planted churches all across Asia Minor and Europe. He made an eternal impact. So what I'm saying to you today is you're not going to understand God's methods in guiding you. You're not going to be certain about everything that's going to happen. You're going to face some resistance. But the whole time you're going to have a confidence that when God gets done doing what He's doing, you're going to be able to look back and see how God was there all along, working through every conversation, every experience, every situation, every circumstance, and He took it all and used it for your good. Do you believe that? Give the Lord some praise. So trust the process. If you're here today and you're lost, you need God's guidance. This world is filled with potholes and snares and stumbling blocks and temptations and storms and the only way you're going to be able to navigate through it all is with God's guidance I suspect that right now the Holy Spirit is prompting some of your hearts you have an internal sense right now I'm supposed to go to that altar you don't know what's going to happen when you come to this altar you don't know what that's going to mean for different circumstances and situations of your life. You know that you might be required to sacrifice 
to walk away from some things, to leave some things behind. But right now, you have a confidence that I'm supposed to come to that altar. Would you follow the Holy Spirit's prompting? Would you trust the process right now? Would you let God lead you up to this altar to accept your salvation? Would you come and confess your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive the sacrifice that He has made on your behalf? Would you take the steps up to this altar and let the Lord change your life? If you're lost, come. If you're here today and you're saved, God is guiding us and He's leading us to something amazing. I can't stop saying it and I try not to be redundant. I try not to say the same things over and over again. But right now it's like fire in my bones. You're on the verge of seeing the glory of God. This month is going to bring miracles and breakthroughs and healings and promotions. This month, prayers that you've been praying for a long time are going to be answered. This month, struggles that you've not been able to get past or get through, they're going to end. This month, marriages are going to be repaired. This month, your lost loved ones are going to be saved. This month, you're going to step out of the darkness and the storm that you've been in. This month, the Lord is going to do 11th hour miracles. This month, He's going to bring hope to the hopeless. This month, He's going to do the impossible. This month, He's going to turn some things around. This month, He's going to give you what you gave up on, what you convinced yourself would never happen and would never be and would never come to pass. God is going to give that to you this month. God is positioning you to see His glory. So the worst thing you can do right now is stop. Stop following his guidance. Stop following his leadership. Stop taking the steps that he is ordering you to take. That's the worst thing you could do right now. You're so close. You know, one of the saddest stories I've ever read in the Bible. The children of Israel had finally come to the brink of the promised land. And three tribes decided to stop short. They decided to set up their camp on this side of the Jordan instead of stepping into the promise that God had been declaring over their life for the last 40 years. And that happens so many times in our lives. We get on the verge of something and the enemy resists us, trying to stop us, and we give up. What if your miracle was just one more step away? What if your breakthrough was just one more step away? What if it was just one more prayer away? What if it was just one more trip to the altar away? You are on the verge of something. So don't stop now. If you're here today and you're lost, come to this altar. 
If you're here today and you're saved, I dare you. I dare you to make your petitions known. I dare you to ask God to do big things. Things that you were intimidated about asking Him to do before this season. We are in a season in which God is going to move and answer prayers quickly. So I told Carrie, I said, go in there and write down everything. Leave nothing off. Write everything that we want God to do. We're going to hang it up on the wall and we're going to see God show us His glory. So if you're here today and you're lost, come. If you're saved, cry out to God. Ask Him to show you His glory. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more great messages,